Hi. We are now on air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, finally back on a regular Thursday night, but unfortunately we don't have as many races to talk about tonight. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we are going to talk about New Hampshire and Toledo tonight. But before we get into that, we are going to take the first half hour to give some updates from the ARCA East and West, as well as from the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. Those series are not racing this weekend. But at the top of the hour, we'll get into the Arkham and Art Series doubleheader at Toledo. Uh, and then uh, we'll also do... Uh, during that same half hour, the NASCAR Cup Series race that will be taking place at New Hampshire. Our hot topic sound off, Jay, is going to start a half hour early tonight. We're going to start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, with that conversation, and uh, uh, we'll be able to discuss those hot topics for a full hour with our fan for racing crews. So definitely looking forward uh, to still kind of a full night tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. We still got a full night. Again, like you mentioned, the doubleheader for the ARCA series. Uh, really looking forward to that. And then you mentioned the uh, Cup Series is running New Hampshire, the only uh, one of the top three that are running. Uh, still got a couple of hot topics in my pocket, so we'll be good to go there. Okay, that all sounds good. Uh, first, let's go to the ARCA Menards uh, East and West because uh, they are not racing right now. Uh, we d- were not able to give an update on that on Monday night's show, so I wanted to make sure that we do do an update today. Um, the the standings for the Arkham and Art Series East will start with them. Uh, they are not yet racing, uh, and we don't really have a whole lot of details of when their next race is going to be, so we're hoping to hear about that sometime very soon. Um, but uh, the series point standings is really tight for this Arkham Art Series East. It most certainly is. And, again, I don't know why uh, I'm not able to pull it up from the Arkham Arts page, but I can tell you the top four go to Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, Nick Sanchez, and Chase Cabre. I'm trying to see if this will pull it up with and give me some points to it. There we go. All right, just had to go about it a different way, I guess. Um, okay. Sam Mayer sitting at 92 points. Ty Gibbs only two points back. They each have one win, two top fives, two top tens in those two races. Nick Sanchez has the two top fives, but no wins, puts him at minus 13. And then Chase Cabre, the fourth one, at minus 17, only one top five, but two top tens. And the, the fifth one at the top five in points, Parker Retzlaff, also has two top tens but no top fives, puts at minus 19. Okay. Okay, so uh, that's the top five in that group. And uh, Sam Mayer has, in, I know it's just two races, but his average start is 3.5. His average finish is at 1.5, which is pretty darn good. And Ty Gibbs just behind him, uh, again, the average start at 3.5, but his average finish is 2.0. 
So uh, really good results there. Uh, some of the drivers I know are going to be racing this weekend. I believe Derek Griffith uh, in 10th place is going to be racing this weekend at Toledo. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, and we'll get into that when we talk about the entry list here for the main Arkham Menard series, that we didn't see a little bit more uh, bigger field than some of these other drivers participating in that. But you are correct. Derek Griffith is listed in the 22 for Chad Bryant's uh, machine. Okay, and what about the next five on the list? Did you want to cover them? All right, then you got six places, Giovanni Bramani. Again, two starts, has one top five, one top ten, sits at minus 20. Max McLaughlin, one top ten, sits at minus 26. Justin Carroll, one top ten, at minus 31. And then you got Mason Diaz, who's in ninth place in points, the last driver that has started both of the races. I take that back. Bob Palowski also has two starts, um, but with apparently good finishes. Uh, Diaz, no top tens but is at minus 35. Then you mentioned Derek Griffith with one start there. It was a top five, so he's at minus 47. Okay. Uh, And that was a really good start for him. The one start he had was an average start of 1.0 with an average finish of 2.0. So uh, he's off to a good start with just that one race. Um, but, uh, again, we really don't know when the next race is going to be for the Arkham Menard Series East, uh, so stay tuned for that information. But we do want to go over uh, the points for the Arkham Menard Series West as well. All right, let me see if I can get those pulled up in the same manner. Excuse me. <laughs> I got the sneezes there. I can kind of start it out if you want. Um, The points are not quite as tight. There's only four races in the books here for the Arkham Menard Series West. Uh, Jesse Love has the lead uh, with those uh, four races. He has two wins, four top fives and four top tens, average start of 2.0 and an average finish of 1.5 as the leader. Uh, Blaine Perkins from uh, Jesse, by the way, is from Bill McAnally Racing. Blaine Perkins from um, uh, Sunrise Ford uh, also has four starts. He has one win, three top fives, three top tens, uh, two poles, with a 2.8 average start and a 4.8 average finish. He's 17 points behind. Did you get it pulled up, Jay? I did, if you want me to take over there. Uh, yeah, there you go. Trotter. Third next, uh, two top fives, four top tens, average start of 7.8, finish of 5.2, is 27 back. Trevor Huddleston, uh, no wins, but three top fives in the four starts, minus 30 points, has a 5.0 start and a 6.2 finish for his average. And fifth is Todd Souza, with all four being top tens, no top fives, Average start at 8.5, finish at 6.8, puts it minus 33. Over here in the West, it looks like we got all 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 of the ones in the top 10 have four starts. Six on back is Geo Skelzy, Lawless Allen, Holly Holland, uh, Takuma Koga, and Bobby Hillis Jr. Again, they all have four starts. The best of those, Skelzy, two top fives, three top tens. 
sitting at minus 37. Wallace Allen at minus 45 has two top 10s, as well as Holly Holland, who is at minus 48. And it jumps back a little bit as Takuma Koga and Bobby Hillis Jr. each only have one top 10 in those four starts, leaving them at minus 55 and minus 58. And outside of that, it looks like it's going to be those 10 really battling because then we get down to two starts each, and the gap goes back to minus 99. But you mentioned this one a little bit more spread out. It does have uh, two more races in it. But Jesse Love, obviously, four top fives in the first four races, going to be tough to beat and close in on. Yes, indeed. Uh, But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens when they get back to racing, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, Now, I do, while we've got some time here, I want to also get into – um, the truck series and the uh, Xfinity series, and I do have some pre—I uh, don't know if you would call it pre-race—but some audio from Chase Briscoe in the Xfinity series, and hopefully we'll have enough time that uh, we'll be able to play that as well. Uh, I'm going to kind of—we uh, can go over the points here for the truck series to begin with, uh, and I can do that if you want, Jay. All right. Um, this goes. This is after their race at Kansas City this past weekend. Uh, Matt Crafton won that race, which was really cool because uh, that actually puts him into the playoffs for the Truck Series. Ten drivers will go into uh, the playoff series, uh, the playoff uh, uh, races at the end of this year. Uh, but at the top of that list right now is Austin Hill. Uh, from the number 16 car, he is at 395 points, uh, and he has one win. Uh, in second place without a win right now is Ben Rhodes. He's in second place based on his points, uh, but still looking to get that win. Third place is uh, rookie Christian Eckes. Uh He is 50 points back of the leader. Again, he has no wins, uh, but based on points, he's right there. Zane Smith, another rookie in fourth place, is also 50 points behind the leader and also without wins. Brett Moffitt was in fifth place. He is, he is. let's see if I can read this, 69 points back. And, again, no wins. Matt Crafton is sixth. He has the one win that will move him up. But ahead of him will be seventh-place driver Greg. Grant Infinger, who is 74 points back, but he has two wins. So that puts him at the top of the list if when the playoffs are ready to begin. Sheldon Creed also has a win. He's in eighth place. He's 75 points back. In ninth place is another rookie, Derek Krause. Uh, he's 100 points back, uh, and he has no wins to this point, but he's done really well as a rookie to be in that ninth place spot. Uh, Todd Gilliland is in 10th place. He's That's the cutoff line. He's 105 points back, uh, and it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens here uh, because I believe there's only two races left in the regular season for this truck series, and you've got drivers like Tyler Ankrum in the 11th, Johnny Sauter in 12th, and Tanner Gray, another rookie, in 13th place. 
all vying for that number 10 spot. Uh, Stuart Friesen is another driver. Uh, these drivers are so back, back, far back on points, uh, Jay, that I think a lot of these drivers are going to be looking to um, – they're going to be looking to get that win in order to get in. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that as because any of these drivers behind uh, really have a chance to get in on a win. So that's going to be fun to watch uh, in these next two races for the truck series. It certainly will be. Uh, like you mentioned, that desperation as, as those guys are already pretty much in a position of, of win to get in. So you're going to see some aggressive, whether it be pit call strategies, uh, on-track racing. Uh, I think you're going to see that amp up as we approach that uh, cut line and head into the playoffs for the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Yes, indeed. Okay, now I also want to get into uh, the Xfinity Series points, but before we do that, Jay, I do have some post post-race audio, I guess we'll just call it that. It's really uh, press conference audio that we have here from uh, Xfinity Series driver Chase Briscoe. He's been leading the series point standings, uh, but with this race at Kansas, Sindrick, I think, now takes over the series point standing lead. Uh, Briscoe drives the number 98 Stuart Haas Racing Ford, uh, and uh, there's another driver that's on this audio as well, and that's Ryan Newman uh, in the number six Roush Fenway Racing Ford. I think we're only going to be uh, listening to the Chase Briscoe portion of this audio, uh, but let's let's take a listen and see what Chase has to say. All right. From the number 98 Ford Performance Racing School Mustang in the Xfinity Series, and this weekend going to run – some Insta racing in the GT4 Mustang over at Road America. So uh, we're happy to have Chase with us. If you've got a question for Chase, uh, raise your hand uh, in the box there on the right-hand side or shoot me a chat, and we'll be sure to get you uh, any questions you may have for Chase. So uh, let's get started here. We'll start with John. Uh, John Daggies. Go ahead, John. Yeah, so uh, Chase, how did the deal come about with PF Racing? Obviously, you have experience with the Mustang before, but um, was this a kind of a last-minute deal, or what was the, the uh, decision behind that? Yeah, it was pretty last-minute, I would say. Um, I want to say about a week and a half ago, uh, Pat DeMarco over at Ford Performance had called and asked if, you know, I had any interest in even running the, the Mustang, and he felt like it would be a good opportunity for me just to get some laps at Road America. Um, especially with us not getting any practice on the NASCAR side. So, you know, I felt like it would be a great opportunity. Uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be with Multimatic or PF Racing. And uh, obviously the opening was at PF. So uh, looking forward to, to going there. Anytime you can go to Road America, I always enjoy going. Uh, it's one of the, the, I think, one of the nicest facilities in all of motorsports. Um, and then just getting laps, trying to get better for the NASCAR stuff, I think will certainly help. Did that, that seemed to help you a lot last year in particular, getting getting experience in road courses um, in, the, in the Mustang, and then that translated a lot of your success in Xfinity. Do you expect that same kind of – is that the main reason for you to, to do that here again? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I always enjoyed road racing. I hadn't even done it until 2016, and, you know, I enjoyed doing it, but I wasn't very fast at all. I was always, you know, three to three and a half seconds off the fastest guy, and, 
you know, I felt like I was going fast, but I wasn't fast at all. And then in 2018, um, you know, Ford had me run, I want to say eight out of the 11 IMSA races. And, you know, then I was able to actually win on a road course that year. And then, you know, follow that up this year, went to Indy on the road course. I feel like, you know, my road course skills have gotten way better. I still have quite a bit to, to do to get better, but I'm definitely way more in the ballpark now than I ever was before I started running the Simpsa stuff. So, you know, hopefully that same experience at, at Road America this weekend will help for the following weekend. And, you know, obviously with no practice, it, you know, just getting seat time and seeing the racetrack again, I don't think can hurt by any means. Cool. Okay. Uh, so we can watch Chase Briscoe race this weekend in the IMSA uh, races at uh, at uh, Road America. That's pretty cool. And it, it sounds like he's going to – he's using this as an opportunity to get some seat time on a road course. He is, and, and I like the fact that he said that, you know, that that's not necessarily his strong suit. Um, he said it a little bit differently, but – and we've seen this in the past. I know some people want to call it a loophole because uh, NASCAR drivers aren't supposed to test at a track where they run, but obviously being in the in the IMSA car is going to be totally different. We've seen drivers do it in the K&N series. Uh, it is seat time, you know, no matter how you look at it, getting to know the track. So it is seat time. And I don't have a problem with it. I am excited to see him in an IMSA car. Uh, that's one of those things, again, as a fan of drivers, I always like to see that. So we'll be looking forward to that this weekend. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And and he mentioned how nice Road America is. Uh, but he, he he's also uh, kind of brought up something that I know a lot of drivers are a little bit worried about. About, and that's the road course at Daytona that nobody's driven on, and there's not going to be any practice time. So maybe he's hoping that maybe having that little bit of seat time at Road America, that it will help him even at Daytona. Well, I know some news came out about that, the layout of the track, and I don't know if you're still leading that campaign to help drivers get that practice time or not. I don't know how that's going, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's still drivers well, him, that are behind you on get, that. I want him to get uh, a test session uh, sometime before the race on Sunday. There you go. That's right. That's okay. right. We're calling it a test session. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the points report after the Kansas Speedway races last weekend for the Xfinity Series. Jay. All right. Well, you mentioned Austin Sindrick with uh, those back-to-back wins, uh, did move up into the first spot by four points. He leads by two, or I'm sorry, by four points over Chase Briscoe. He has three wins, seven stage wins, and 22 playoff points. Chase Briscoe, once they recede, uh, recede it for the playoffs if they were to stay the same, currently has five wins with three stage wins, giving him a total of 28 playoff points. But we got a lot of racing yet to do between now and then for this Xfinity series. So I imagine that will shift some, especially going to this road course coming up. Now behind Mm -hmm. them, third place is Noah Gregson. Got those two wins early in the season, but uh, has picked up eight stage wins, has a total of 18 playoff points. Fourth place is Ross Chastain. No wins. Uh, no wins or stage wins or playoff points, but is fourth in overall points at minus 60. No Gregson's at minus 56. Then you got to jump back to Justin Haley, and he has a win, 
but is still 130 points back and just has just one stage win and only six playoff points. Harrison Burton, another one, rookie, picked up a couple wins early in the season and has kind of had an up and down since then, sitting at minus 135. Doesn't have any stage wins, but that leaves him with a total of 10 playoff points. And we talked about Justin Algar. He does have two race wins. He does have the two two race wins, yes, and that's what gives him the the 10 playoff points, five apiece for each of those. Now we've talked about Justin Algar having a little bit of a off season, if you will. Again, doesn't have any race wins yet this season, but does have the seven stage wins, which are a point apiece, giving him a total of seven playoff points. Michael Annette has zeros across the board. No race wins, no stage wins, no playoff points, and is sitting at two hundred at minus two hundred and twelve. Brandon Jones, he's another one, got two wins now but has been an up and down. He has two stage wins for a total of 12 playoff points, but is sitting 222 points out of the points lead. A rookie Riley Herbst for Joe Gibbs Racing. Big jump back there. He's at minus 312 uh, zeros across the board. No wins, no stage wins, leaving him no playoff points. Ryan Sieg doesn't have any race wins, but has two playoff points based off two stage wins. And the 12th and final spot, as it is right now, at minus 348, is Brandon Brown. No wins, no stage points, so no playoff points. And from there on back, uh, I don't think anybody has any stage points. Jeremy Clements at uh, 13th is at minus 380, so he's 52 points. I'm sorry, 32 points behind the cutoff spot with Brandon Brown. And then Daniel Hemrick, I don't believe is eligible, only has 11 uh, races in, but is sitting in the 14th spot at minus 396. Then you have rookie Myatt Schneider at minus 397. So you're looking at 50 points to make up. They're getting to the point we mentioned with the truck series, going to have to win to get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really amazing. But um, I, I really think these guys uh, – they will be back on the track, by the way. Both the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series will be back on the track at Michigan Speedway uh, that's coming up next weekend. So look for the Xfinity Series to be racing on Saturday, August the 8th, uh, and that's uh, at Road America. They'll be racing at that track. So that's really good experience for uh uh, Chase, because he'll be racing at Road America next weekend. And then uh, that race will be on NBC Sports Network at, uh, let's see, I can't really tell the time here. I think that's 11 a.m. Central, so that would be 12 noon. The Truck Series is actually going to race on Friday. That's uh, August the 7th, and they'll be racing at 5 p.m., Central, 6 p.m. Eastern, and that uh, will be on FS1. So uh, we will definitely see uh, both of those series back on track next week at Michigan. Okay, Jay, we've got about five minutes sure. here. We can probably – go ahead. Well, for the Xfinity Series, Road America is actually in Wisconsin. It's Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And I say that just because I'm from up there, so i got to defend my home area. <laughs> well, I thought that's what I said, Wisconsin. You said both of yeah, them were in I'm, Michigan. 
No, I said, oh, I see, you're right. I said both of the races would be it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Road America is in Wisconsin. When I said Road America initially, I was saying Wisconsin. But, yeah, I was just saying that they're both going to be back on the track. Okay, so let's go ahead and do um, the update on our Fan for Racing Fantasy group. All right. Well, this week, obviously, with the uh, Truck Series and Xfinity Series not racing, give you the total points on them for the Truck Series. This one super tightened up uh, as if it wasn't already. Andy and Owen are tied at 34. Sam is one point back at 33. Sharon is one more point back at 32. Uh, I actually moved up into then the fifth spot at 25 points. James is at 24, and Mike is at 20. So only 14 points separating top to bottom there in the truck series. Wow. Now, the Xfinity series, there's a gap there. Uh, Andy has 71. I think it closed up a little. I'm in second at 54. Third is Owen at 46. Sharon, fourth at 45. Sam is at 43, and James is one more behind that, uh, 42, and then Mike at 34. So with the exception of Andy, that one would be a 20-point gap, but it's a 40-point gap uh, because of Andy's (laughs) dominance. Yep, he's doing really Uh, good. Cup Series, that one, uh, again, is sort of tight. I did gap it out a little bit. I'm at 90 even. Andy is in second at 76. Owen is third at 67. Sam is at 66. Sharon is at 61. And Mike at 47. Oh, I missed uh, James is in there at 53. And then Mike at 47. Again, got a little bit of a late start. So overall, with the total overall, Andy, you've heard him mentioned at the top of all the series, sitting at 181. I'm in second at 169. Owen has come on strong, is now third at 147. Sam at 142. Uh, Sharon, you're in fifth at 138. James is at 119. And even with the late start, Mike broke the 100 points. He's at 101. All right. And then we have picks for the Cup Series as well. We do, and I'm trying to look where I wrote. Here we go. I knew I'd written them down. Uh, we did get in all those today, actually. I got a, had a brain fart and forgot to send that out. But we got them all in today. Uh, Sharon, unfortunately, you had to kick us off, but that meant you got top pick, Kevin Harvick. Uh, Mike smartly followed that up with Denny Hamlin. I think those are the top two, have been the top two there for the past two or three races at New Hampshire. So that left the rest of us uh, kind of scrambling. Uh, Sam went with Joey Logano. Andy, sticking with his uh, favorite there, took in uh, Clint Boyer. James surprised me a little bit. He got to pick right before me, took William Byron. I know he's kind of due for a win. Not sure it's going to be at New Hampshire, though. And that left me, Brad Keselowski, who I got pretty confident in. And Owen took the hot shoe, if you will, as far as at least top tens, and that's Eric Almarola, who does, I believe, start on the pole. All right, so that's pretty cool. So, uh, okay, we're getting uh, toward the top of the hour here. Uh, Before we do that, I just do want to say thank you to Jay. 
He keeps track of uh, our fantasy game here at Fan for Racing, and he does a really nice job of it. So we really appreciate all that you do with that, Jay. Not a problem. Always my pleasure. And again, I do occasionally make that mistake. I think last week I said I went to, went through and retotaled them all and did uh, find a couple of mistakes. A <laughs> couple of people got a couple more points. Uh, obviously, it didn't help me, but uh, I got it all straightened out now. Well, and we're thankful that you did. So, okay, let's go ahead now and move on to the Arkham Menard series. They have a double header this weekend at what a lot of people consider to be the home track of the Arkham Menard series uh, because they're based out of Toledo. Uh, Toledo Speedway this weekend, two races uh, with the Arkham Menards.com 200 presented by SPXE and the Arkham, the Menards 200 presented by Crosley Brands. So both of those races will take place uh, this weekend. Uh, the first race will take place Friday, July the 31st, uh, and the second race will take place Saturday, August the 1st. Uh, now, on Friday, the race starts at 8 p.m. It doesn't say here if it's uh, Eastern or Central, so I would suggest just checking the uh, – uh, local listings because they will both be uh, aired live on MAV TV. Uh, 6 p.m. on August 1st uh, is the race for the Arkham Menard Series. So again, check the local listings. Also, if you're uh, on NBC Gold as a Track Pass member, you'll be able to watch the live streaming of that race as well. This is a half mile paved oval and uh, a very popular half mile paved oval for that matter. And uh, really looking forward to uh, both of those races this weekend. Okay, Jay? (laughs) Definitely one that's on my bucket list there being in the central states. I've only made it over that direction once or twice, uh, once for Eldora. Um, But for, for the Arkham and Ard Series, like you said, a home track there in Toledo, I think would be an awesome facility to uh, to visit from what I've seen. Yes, they're going to have double the risk, double the reward, and double the laps of what they normally run on a weekend, 400 laps between Friday evening and Saturday night. Uh, it could be a big difference for a lot of these championship contenders, either good or bad. Good finishes, of course, will be a premium at Toledo Speedway, uh, and uh, the, they uh, definitely are looking forward uh, to competing. Now, Brett Holmes is in a pretty good spot right now. He was our guest on Monday night. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our interview with Brett Holmes, he's on during the first half hour of our podcast. And uh, I would really suggest everybody go back and listen to that. Uh, he's 23 years old from Munford, Alabama. Uh, and he got his very first career win at Kansas Speedway last weekend. Uh, and he, I think he had a third here when they raced earlier in the spring. So he's hoping to take some of that momentum with him into Toledo because right now he's just nine points away from the series points leader, who is Michael Self. You're right. Primary difference looking through their stat line as far as finishes, they both have the eight starts, one win, 
five top fives for each of them. Michael Self does have eight top tens versus a seven for uh, Brett Holmes. The average finish, 4.5 for Michael Self, 5.5 for Brett Holmes. And he's definitely been gaining. I know, again, when a team becomes as dominant as what we've seen Michael Self over the past two to three years, um, to catch up on him, he's been finishing, say, fifth to eighth. You know, you don't gain a lot on him at a time, but it seems like he's kind of slid down, and Brett Holmes is coming on strong at the right time, especially going into a track like Toledo for him. Exactly, exactly. Holmes, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, had a third-place finish after starting seventh when they were there with the Arkham Menard Series East uh, back in June. But that kicked off a seven-race span in which he finished outside the top four just once. Prior to that, he had just one top five and three starts at the Ohio Half Mile. But if you look at the other side of the coin with Michael Self, uh, he's hoping to extend his streak of eight straight top tens uh, to start off this season. But he's also looking to approve upon a recent stretch in which he's finished outside the top five in three of his last four starts. So uh, both drivers looking to improve, uh, even though they're at the top of the list, they're both looking to for better finishes at uh, Toledo Speedway this weekend. Uh, keep in mind, Jay, this is also part of the Sioux Chief Showdown where Chandler Smith holds a 10-point lead over uh, – uh, uh, Smith, Smith holds a 10-point lead um, – it says over Smith. I don't know how he can hold a 10-point lead over himself. And 13 points over Ty Gibbs after three events. Gibbs won the first East race at Toledo earlier this year, and now he's coming off his uh, win the last time they were out at Iowa Speedway. Uh, Smith edged Gibbs for the win in a rain-shortened arc of Menard Series race at Toledo just last year. So this is going to be exciting to watch these competitions uh, because there's a lot of different competitions going on in this race, these races. There certainly will be, like you said, a, a doubleheader is going to be a big momentum swing one way or the other for somebody having a couple of good finishes. And I think that second Smith there that you read should be self. Um, Chandler Smith leads at 126 to 116 over Michael Self, and then Ty Gibbs three points back. Okay. And Sam Mayer <laughs> is also at 108, and Brett Holmes now at 107 in the fifth spot, and Haley Deegan at, my, at 104. So all those all are wow. 100 points or more in this three race, uh, three races completed so far in the Sioux Chief Showdown. Okay, and this is going to be uh, race four and uh, race uh, five, so it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Now, Toledo was originally the only Arkham Menard Series East, uh, only on the schedule for the Arkham Menard Series East, but the multiple postponements because of the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, forced them to kind of relook at the schedule and uh, schedule whatever they could. So the venue has hosted 77 previous races dating back to 1963 and played a key role in a number of previous championship campaigns. Uh, and, of course, that tradition uh, there is going to continue this particular weekend coming up. Um, so uh, 
Are there some other drivers that uh, we should be on the lookout for this weekend, Jay? Well, let me slide over to the entry list. I know I talked about this a little bit. Let me compare them side by side. I believe looks like they're the same. I'll take a scan down them when we go through the second one. But um, we talked about as far as top of the points in, in the showdown anyway, Haley Deegan in the number four going down numerically. And you got Tim Richmond in the 06 and Mike Basham in the number 10. Excuse me, Tim Richmond driving for the Wayne Peterson uh, owned machine. Mike Basham in the 10 and Owen Smith in the 11 and Rick Clifton in the 12. Those three are the Hillenburg machines. The first uh, or the 10 and the 12 are Toyotas. The number 11 is a Chevrolet. Kind of interesting there within the same organization. Yeah, it is. Uh, Okay, so we also have Drew Dollar. Uh, He is going to be in the number 15 with Venturini Motorsports. Shannon Rush is his uh, crew chief. In the number 17 is Taylor Gray for David Gilliland Ford. And uh, Blake Bainbridge will be his crew chief. Ty Gibbs will be behind the wheel of that number 18 for uh, Joe Gibbs uh, Racing. Mark McFarlane is his crew chief. Uh, and Chandler Smith, uh, with the, one of the guys that everybody will be watching this weekend in the number 20 for Venturini Motorsports Toyota, Billy Venturini will be his crew chief. And starting 10th is Sam Mayer uh, for GMS Racing in a Chevrolet with Marty Lindley as his crew chief. All right, that's 22 car. That'll be Derek Griffiths with Chad Bryant Racing. Uh, with the Ford crew chief by the legendary Paul Andrews. And then we talked about Brett Holmes. Shane Huffman is his crew chief on the Stacey Holmes-owned Chevrolet. Michael Self, obviously a points leader in the Venturini Toyota. Kevin Reed atop the pit box for him. The final three on the 16-car entry list, Thad Moffitt for Bola Mastis Ford, crew chief by Derek Smith. Brad Smith with the cell phone team Chevrolet being crew chief by Jeff Smith, and then Giovanni Giovanni Bramani in a Chevrolet, crew chief by Steve Keller. Okay. Um, Okay, so, yeah, that's going to be fun, and it does look like both of these entry lists are identical. So it'll be the same drivers in both races on Friday and Saturday. Now, looking at the crew chief handout, uh, the uh, field uh, for both of these races uh, the, will be set uh, by a two-lap qualifying session, and uh, and uh, that will be for all of the cars uh, that are going to be racing. So that will be these events are both going to be run. Under the 2020 Arkham Menard Series rules, procedures, and regulations and specifications, the qualifying again is a two-lap qualifying. No adjustments or repairs can be made on the car after taking a green flag at the start-finish line, and all cars must make a qualifying attempt. All drivers must practice before they can qualify. So, unlike the, what we've seen in the uh, Cup Series or the NASCAR Series, they will have both the practice session and qualifying 
for both of these races. So that's going to be uh, pretty interesting as well. Um, no adding for the pit stops. There's no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race has started. They will get a maximum of four crew members who can service the car, and no tires and fuels can be out added unless it's outside outside of the break. So the only time they can add fuel or tires is during the scheduled breaks. Uh, so the, both of those races are going to be 200 miles or 200 laps, 100 miles, and both will be run in three segments. Each race will have the first break at or near the conclusion of lap 75. Uh, the races will have a second break at or near lap 150. And, of course, the last break will be at the end of the race. Uh, and uh, all the, at the conclusion of each break, the vehicles will line up in the order that they were running at the beginning of the break. So they take a lot of the pressure off of these teams. Um, they don't, they're not racing for a position on pit road. Uh, they're going to line up the way they went in. Uh, the maximum tire allotment available for the event is per the ARCA rule book, they will get a maximum number of tires allowed in the pit box for use with each race, which is a total of six tires. So that puts tire management into the uh, equation for these teams, for both of these double headers. Excuse me. A lot of information there. One thing I look at, talked about having a practice and qualifying. You've got to remember this is a little bit more of a starter or feeder system. Uh, not that these drivers don't have experience, but this is where they, they develop, really develop in the uh, stock car racing. So uh, I think it's a good thing that they do have a little bit of practice time and then the qualifying gives them that little bit of extra track time. Absolutely. Uh, now, we do want to also get into, do you have a pick? Let me ask you about your pick first. Do you have a pick for the Arkham Menard Series races this weekend? About that, I mean, obviously, uh, top of the board, you'd have to look at Chandler Smith. Um, when I look at the top four, Michael Self, Ty Gibbs, and Sam Mayer, uh, I think it might come down to Chandler Smith and Sam Mayer, but... Ty Gibbs going to be tough, and Michael Self again going after that championship. Uh, I'll go. I'll go with Sam. It could be there. any. Uh, I, okay. Yeah, I, you're right. It could be. And you can't count and out I'll Brett Holmes. With you, you ran down his stats. You, I know you can't. You can't count him out either. Uh, and he's on a roll right now, coming off of that win. And we were saying on Monday night, once they get that first win, sometimes uh, multiple wins follow after that but i think chandler smith's going to be tough to beat he is really tough on these short tracks and uh, i'm going to pick chandler smith for this weekend okay moving on to the nascar cup series at new hampshire uh they will be racing the foxwood resorts casino 301 uh, this w Sunday, August the 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, pre-race coverage will start at 2.30, and that will be on NBC Sports Network, along with radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be racing a distance of 318.46 miles over 301 laps. Uh, the first 
stage will end on lap 75. The second stage ends on lap 185. And the last stage, of course, ends on the last lap. Last year's race winner was Kevin Harvick. Well, despite the changes to the schedule due to this COVID-19 pandemic, NASCAR is producing some top-notch competition. Uh, We also have the lack of practice and qualifying, but the competition is putting up some solid passing stats this season. Since 2007, through 19 races of a season, the 2020 season ranks first in total green flag passes and second in green flag passes for the lead. In a year-to-year comparison, 2019 versus 2020, we're still up 32.7% in green flag passes and 24.1% in green flag passes for the lead through these 19 races. The average number of leaders per race through these 19 races in 2020 is 10.41, which is the most since 2014 when it was 11.05. The average number of leaders through those 19 races in 2019 was 9.58. The average number of lead changes at 19.63 per race through the first 19 events of the 2020 season are also the most since 2014 when it was 24.1 during that same time frame. And the average margin of victory over the first 19 races of the current year is 1.809 seconds with 10 of the 19 races, which is 52.6% this season, have finished with a margin of victory of less than a second. And there's a chart here. Run through this real quick, uh, starting in 07 through uh, 2020. Uh, 07 total passes, and this again would be in the first 19 races. Total passes was at 10,720 with 69 being for the lead, 08, 9,994, with 101 for the lead, dropped way down in 09 to 8951, with only 44 for the lead. 2010 put up some good numbers at 13,299 total passes, 205 for the lead. Did you want me to go through all of these? Yeah, well, just compare... That's kind of second or third, I think, to what it was in 2020. Uh, and, oh, wait a second, there was 2015. If you want to hit the high numbers there. Okay. Yeah, 14, 15, and 16, we saw some of the bigger numbers we mentioned. Uh, 13,373 with 186 for the lead in 14. In 2015, the total number of passes was at 15,780 and 15,676. Uh, overall, but there were only 111, 112 for the lead. And again, with 2020, so far already the total in the 19 races has been 16,028 and 191 for the lead. So overall total passes is the highest we've seen. And quick scan, it looks like, for the lead is second to 2010, 205 Mm -hmm. to 191. Yeah, it's amazing. So... Uh, for the people saying that there's no passing going on, this proves otherwise. And it's a record number of passes uh, in 19 races so far this season. So uh, the stats uh, prove out that this package is uh, doing what NASCAR wanted it to do. 
Okay. Now, we also want to keep a tab on the Sunoco rookie class. Uh, now, we know that uh, the season is in full swing, and uh, Tyler Reddick is leading the rookies right now with 442 points and eight Sunoco Rookie of the Race awards to his name. Reddick's uh, best finish this season came at Texas when he crossed the line, a uh, runner-up to his uh, RCR teammate, Austin Dillon. He's also ranked 17th in the series playoff outlook and is only 10 points behind William Byron, who holds the final playoff transfer spot. In 19 starts this season, Reddick has posted two top fives, and he has six top ten finishes. Cole Custer is second in the rookie standings. Uh, there's a little bit of a distance here uh, compared to Reddick's 442. Uh, Cole Custer has 352 points in second and five Sunoco Rookie of the Race awards. Uh, Custer became the first rookie to win in the NASCAR Cup Series. He won at Kentucky Speedway since Chris Buescher accomplished that feat in 2016 at Pocono. Now, Custer is also locked in the, into the playoffs with that victory, and right now he's the only rookie who's locked in so far. So in addition to his win, Custer has also put up two top fives and four top tens this season. Now, um, Christopher Bell, let me get see. Christopher Bell is third in the series point standings. That battle is a little bit closer. He's at uh, 339 compared to the 352 that Cole Custer has. He has three Sunoco Rookie of the Race awards. In 19 starts this uh, season, he is 23rd in the driver point standings after posting one top five and five top tens. John Hunter Nemechek is fourth. He's probably the closest uh, battle here between him and Christopher Bell. Uh, Bell has a 339. John Hunter Nemechek has 325. Um, he is he has three Sunoco Rookie of the Race awards. In 19 starts, he's 23rd in the driver standings. He has one top five and five top tens. John Hunter Nemechek, uh, I guess I just repeated there, but John Hunter Nemechek is fourth. Uh, with his 325 points, he has three Rookie of the Race awards, and he's posted uh, so far this season two top tens. Brennan Poole is fifth in the rookie standings at 136 points. Uh, he's put up an average finish of 30.1 with his best finish at Daytona of 16th. Quinn Huff is sixth in the rookie standings. He's at 101 points. Uh, and uh, he's got an average finish of 32.1 with a best finish of 23rd at Indianapolis. Five of the six rookies in this class are making their series track debut this weekend at New Hampshire. Huff is really the only rookie that has a previous start at uh, this track, and he's made his series debut there just last year when he started 34th and was able to finish that race 31st. So uh, the Sunoco rookies, uh, it's a top-notch class, and they're putting up some pretty decent numbers here. Another focal point this weekend at New Hampshire is going to be the playoff bubble, where we got Clint Boyer, Benedetto, Matt Benedetto, and William Byron all on that cut line. As the Cup Series prepares for the 20th event of the 2020 season, 
Time is running out for drivers to solidify their playoff positions. Ten drivers already locked in on wins. Denny Hamlin with five, Kevin Harvick with four, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano with two each, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, Alex Bowman, and now Austin Dillon and Cole Custer each have one. There are now six spots up for grabs as this series heads to New Hampshire Motor Speedway for this weekend's Foxwoods Resort Casino 301 uh, on Sunday. As we head to the Magic Mile, Eric Almirola is 134 points up on the cut line, defending series champion Kyle Busch at 120 and his brother Kurt at 119, all comfortable points lead over that 17th place Tyler Reddick, which is now currently the first spot outside the playoff cutoff. But the drivers right below them in the standings, Clint Boyer at plus 42 and 14th, Matt DiBenedetto in 15th is at plus 35, and William Byron at a slim margin of plus 10 in the 16th and final transfer spot are all feeling that pressure of clinging to their postseason, uh, postseason contention chances by such small point margins. A first look at Stuart Haas Racing's Clint Boyer he jumped up one position after last week at Kansas, now sitting in that 14th spot, 42 points up. This season, Boyer has amassed two top fives and five top tens, finished 14th at Kansas last weekend, and 20th last season at New Hampshire. In 26 series starts at New Hampshire, he has posted two wins, including his uh, NASCAR Cup Series career first victory, four top fives and nine top tens. The Wood Brothers' Matt DiBenedetto is next, having a career year, currently 15th with the 35-point cushion, the first spot outside the playoff cut line. On the season, DiBenedetto has collected two top fives and five top tens in 19 starts. He's recorded one top five and one top ten in eight starts at New Hampshire. Last season, finished fifth for Levine Family Racing, one of his best career finishes to date. The other one we talked about, Hendrick Motorsports driver William Byron. He's in that final spot, 16th, just 10 points up on Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick, the rookie, in 17th. Byron will be making his third Cup Series start at New Hampshire. Last season, he posted his career-best New Hampshire finish at 12th in this event. So a lot of a lot of others drivers behind that as well, Eric Jones, Jimmy Johnson, but uh, those are the ones that are right on the bubble. Okay, and of the five drivers that are outside the playoffs, but within a hundred points of the cutoff, Johnson has the best average finish, and that's at eleven point eight at New Hampshire. That's followed by Eric Jones, who has an average finish there of sixteen point oh. So just to give some uh, information there at that cutoff bubble, uh, that's really good stuff. But we all know that the big battle, Jay, has been between Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. Uh, they've been the class of the field so far this year as uh, all of these teams head now to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Despite having 10 different NASCAR Cup Series winners in 19 races this season, the dominant of Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin, who has five victories, and Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick, who has four wins uh, for a total of nine of the 19 events. Uh, The winning percentage is 47.3. 
and that cannot be underestimated. What's even more interesting is that the two winning juggernauts, Hamlin and Harvick, went head-to-head in a stellar battle to the finish uh, in last season's NASCAR Cup Series race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It was Harvick's first win of the season last year and his fourth career win at the famous short track. He also won in 2006. He won in 2016, 18, and 19. So this season, Harvick heads to New Hampshire with a little bit more of early season success. The Californian currently leads the series standings, and he's posted four wins. Uh, Those wins came at Darlington, Atlanta, Pocono, and Indianapolis. Along with that, he has 12 top fives. He has 16 top tens and a notable average finish of an incredible 6.5 so far this season. And even though Hamlin finished runner-up last season to Harvick at New Hampshire, right now he's currently riding on a wave of momentum coming off his series-leading fifth win of this year uh, after winning at Daytona 500, Darlington, Homestead, Miami, Pocono, and Kansas. Uh, The Virginian is currently fourth in the driver's standings, but he leads the series in playoff points. He has a total of 28. Now, Hamlin also has 10 top fives, 11 top tens, and his average finish this year is 10.3 through these first 19 races. Now, looking at the stats for this weekend's Fox Resorts Casino 301, um, expect to see the dynamic duo of Harvick and Hamlin battling it out up front again. So Harvick leads all active, dri- all active drivers with wins at New Hampshire. He has four. Hamlin is right behind him, though, with three victories. Hamlin also leads the series in runner-up finishes at New Hampshire. He has five second-place results, including last year's second-place finish to Harvick. Harvick is tied with Matt Kenseth for the series' most top fives among active drivers. They both have 12, and Hamlin, again, is right behind them. He has 10. Now, while Hamlin leads the series in average finish at New Hampshire with a 9.8, Harvick, again, is not too far behind. He's at 12.8. Harvick also leads the second most laps among the active drivers at New Hampshire. He has 759 to Hamlin's, who is fourth most at 662. Even the pre-race loop data points to Hamlin and Harvick as the favorites for this weekend. Hamlin leads the series in average running position of 10.6 and a driver rating of 103.6. Harvick is right there with him, second in average running position of 10.8, and fourth in his driver rating of 98.5. So these guys have been battling it out all season. They've been battling it out at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and I definitely do expect it to be more of the same this weekend at New Hampshire. Well, yeah, for the top two on the year so far to come to a track like that where there's a top two at the track should be quite interesting. Uh, and I guess it'll be between you and uh, Mike as you got those first two picks. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it'll pay off for me. What usually happens is whoever I pick has the bad luck. 
So we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, all right. It, we are actually past the bottom of the half hour here. Uh, it's already at 9.31 Eastern Time. So it's time for us to get into our NASCAR Hot Topics, Jay. And joining us for tonight's discussion is uh, Mike Orzel. Mike, are you there? Yeah, sure am. Hey, oh, yeah, I, sorry, I had myself on mute, so I kind of blew it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were, we were, we were waiting for the big hey, oh. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead, Mike. Uh, let's start off with you and what your hot topic is for tonight. Sure. Uh, big news over the past few weeks has been the addition of the Daytona road course race to replace Watkins Glen on the schedule. Uh, today, there were a lot of details that came out regarding how that race is going to run. Uh, it's going to be a 65-lap race now. I'm not sure if you've covered this in the, in the main show. If you did, stop me uh, from getting too far ahead here. Well, not but for we got Daytona, Perfect. So the uh, the stage length announced for the Cup Series race, the total race will be 65 laps total. Uh, and that's 234.65 miles. Stages are 15, 30, and 65 for that. The Xfinity Series race will be 52 laps. And the Truck Series race will be 44 laps. Um, so I think those are details that weren't available. The other big thing that came out is the addition of a chicane to the traditional Daytona road course. So normally the IMSA course does not have a chicane between the uh, NASCAR oval track turn four and the tri-oval, but for the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series races, there will now be a chicane in the uh, in that straightaway for all those, uh, those races. Um, all that area is paved, so the way that's been accomplished is it's been kind of marked out with paint and the blue turtles that we first saw at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval a few years ago. Um, so uh, that is the big addition to the, uh, the Daytona road course race. And the other big detail that came out with it is that they will be running the high downforce, low horsepower package there. And uh, that has caused some consternation among the NASCAR Twitterati. So I'll leave it at that and let, uh, let the discussion begin. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, I'm going to have to ask what the word consternation means, but, uh... No, I, I think we're looking at a, a very exciting race. Uh, I think that what Mike mentioned with the, the package that they're bringing that adds the capability to put in that chicane, which I think is always a cool thing when we have something like that. So uh, I, I'm really excited about it. Obviously, it's an unknown just like the Roval was, and that you know first year may have been a little of a rough outing but was still entertaining. And I think these guys, uh, again, being at the – top level of NASCAR. I know that the the trucks and the Xfinity uh, kind of a tiered system, if you will, a little bit, but uh, they're still in the top three series for the NASCAR series. So uh, I think we'll be all right. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, you know, if there's a a couple of wrecks or whatever, that's always an interesting thing to add up, add to the points battle. Yeah, it definitely is going to be make it interesting. Another point uh, that I don't think Mike mentioned, if he did, I apologize, but uh, the drivers uh, will not be allowed to ride, race in multiple series. So they'll only be able to race in one series. Uh, they cannot race multiple races over that weekend. So that, I think, makes it fair for everybody because – uh, you can't use another series in order to get some practice time uh, before you race for points. So uh, that's kind of interesting because 
it, it just really is going to add to, I think, a lot of um, uh, consternation. <laughs> is that the word he used? Uh, for for these drivers going into that road course, not getting any practice time or uh, testing time. I was hoping uh, that there was going to be some news about that in this package. Uh, it's really uh, a hybrid of what the uh, Rolex 24 runs. So if any of the drivers have run that before, that will give them a little bit of an advantage. Uh, the difference being that chicane off of the oval uh, in turn four that uh, is going to be a little bit different than that Rolex 24. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting for uh, these guys. Uh, I, if I could get tickets, and by the way, they are allowing a limited number of fans to attend these races. So, if I if I could, I would definitely be getting tickets uh, to go to Florida uh, to watch these races because I think it's going to be pretty darn interesting. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the uh, going with the high downforce, low horsepower package is probably a little bit of playing it safe on NASCAR's part. Um, if they're going to do no practice, no qualifying, no testing, no nothing, uh, I'm sure that you know they wanted to give the drivers at least what, what you would expect to be a little bit easier to drive car out there. Um, so hopefully that'll help uh, mitigate some of the some of the issues that might happen with uh, with going into cold on this race here. Um, I would say even the drivers who have IMSA experience, you know, Kyle Busch uh, in the Cup Series, I haven't seen an entry list yet, but it wouldn't surprise me to see guys like A.J. Allmendinger enter the Xfinity Series race. And maybe I, I'm pretty sure uh, there's a couple guys entering the Truck Series race, or at least trying to, who have got IMSA experience as well. But those cars are so different from NASCAR. Uh, and, depending on the class and IMSA, obviously, but you're still talking about cars with substantially more downforce. You know, NASCAR's version of high downforce is nothing compared to IMSA. So you're looking at cars with substantially more downforce, much wider tires, uh, anti-lock brakes, stability control, a lot of the different features that just aren't present on NASCAR-style race cars. So sure, knowing the track layout is not going to be a disadvantage. You can learn that in iRacing. But as far as getting the feel for how the car will respond and perform on that track, I'm not sure that having IMSA experience is going to be a huge advantage for some of these guys. Okay, and and that's fair. You know, I think that that's fair. I'm looking at the the layout of the track. It's 3.57 miles, uh, Jay, and it, it looks like it's pretty much the oval with just a, maybe three different spots where it's not really an oval. It's more of a road course uh, coming into turn one there. Uh, you've got a little road course piece. There's a chicane between 9 and 10 and another chicane between 13 and 14. Um, but uh, the road course part of it is really this first this first turn, where you've got one, two, three. You've got six turns inside of that first turn. Well, a couple of, a couple of things that really interest me there, and I hadn't seen that that they weren't allowing drivers to run in another series. Um, I understand their their thought process there of fairness. Again, not all the drivers have that capability and option. Um, so I guess that's a good decision, but uh, we've never seen that before. A little unprecedented with that because I don't recall that being the case when they, they first had the race at Charlotte with the Roval. So something a little different that, that they've implemented this time. 
The one thing uh, you mentioned that the majority of the course still being on the Daytona Speedway itself, though, again, with the, the package and you're going to have to set the car up to handle the road course. I don't know if you can have the full out super speedway package you would have uh, on a normal race. So right. it'll be interesting to see what crew chiefs do as far as that of trying to balance that uh, a road course car setup as well as try and maintain the top speed as a good, a good chunk of it is on the super speedway. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot on the crew chiefs uh, with the setup of the car. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the crew chiefs are going to be, they probably have been uh, mulling this over for a while now. Um, I don't have anything more really to add here, but um, Mike, do you have any additional thoughts there? Well, I'm interested to see if this is going to be the final bit of information that's going to come out. It wouldn't surprise me to see more details come out, um, especially with as, you know, as new as this is. They probably don't even have all the questions answered yet, even internally, or even know what all those questions are going to be. So as the, as the race gets closer, I expect to see more information come out, and I'm sure it's going to give us plenty of opportunities to uh, discuss on future shows. Okay. I hope that's true, Je- uh, Mike. Uh, I really do. <laughs> so, okay, um, Jay, what are your, what's your hot topic for today? Well, I got to look at the, uh, I believe it's the truck race, and I know one Xfinity race, and I'm trying to pull it up exactly. The modified controlled pit stops within the truck series and the Xfinity series, and uh, kind of get your guys' thoughts on that. And if you have it up, I'm, I'm, like I said, I was trying to look for exactly what the Where are you getting that information? All right, here, uh, the NASCAR modifies uh, jayski.com came out yesterday it looks like um and i said i don't remember which xfinity race it was going to be under all right i'll read through these real quick uh it says all excuse me all cautions in for the truck series it's going to be uh the august 30th rv and truck series event at the worldwide technology raceway at gateway uh all caution periods will be what they call the quickie yellows everyone's opportunity to pit to add fuel and or make adjustments, the lead lap and lap down trucks all pit together. There'll be no changing tires except during the stage breaks. And they'll work with teams on flat flat tires or damaged rims. Uh, fuel may be added at any time. Then there'll be three stages, uh, lap 55, 110, and the final stage scheduled to end on lap 160. During the stage cautions, teams may perform any normal pit stop adjustments and then they may add fuel and change tires. If the teams choose not to pit during the stage caution, their trucks will stop on the back stretch behind the caution truck. Trucks that elect to pit will line up behind those trucks remaining on the track, the lead lap trucks followed by the lap down trucks, the free pass wave around trucks, and any penalty trucks. Um, okay, and there was, I thought there was something else to that of that you couldn't lose your position on pit road. I'm not seeing that in here. I don't even see where it's at, J-Skis. I'm still looking for uh, it at J-Skis. I had to, it's actually under the truck series one specifically. Um, okay. One thing I missed there, it says, when instructed by NASCAR officials, the teams will have three minutes to complete their work. If they continue to work after the three-minute mark, they'll have to restart at the rear of the field. The order they entered pit road is the order they will line up off of pit road. Here we go. So 
So you're not going to gain or lose pit, uh, spots on pit road as long as you stay inside that three-minute window. Okay. Okay, so have you had a chance to see it, Mike? I haven't seen the uh, the specifics that uh, the Jay had just read through, uh, but if we remember back before the whole pandemic thing, there was discussion about this, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. to that level of detail, but there was discussion of doing this for standalone races, um, and then you know the whole pandemic and rescheduling and all that happened, so it kind of fell to the wayside. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it then, and I'm still not a huge fan of it now. Uh, I understand the logistics, and I also understand the, int- the desire to cut cost. But my concern is it really takes the team element out of the sport. And like I said, I totally get that there's cost associated with it. And then, you know, by virtue of that, there are cost savings that can be had by eliminating the live pit stops like that. But when we talk about NASCAR as a team sport, if those team members aren't really given their opportunity to shine and really participate to the car's position on track, you lose a little bit of that team sport element there. Okay. Um, yeah, I would have to, I, I kind of am the kind of the same thinking because uh, I really feel like uh, this is where they're supposed to get the experience uh, to move on to the next level of NASCAR uh, at the Xfinity level and then the Cup level. This is where they're supposed to get that experience to help them be better uh, as they as they progress their career. So taking that away from them, I think, hurts a little bit. But I guess it's for the standalone events, and that's what the Worldwide Technology Center is, is a standalone event, and NASCAR feels that uh, because it's a standalone event, it's probably uh, a stretch of their resources as well and why they're uh, kind of changing the whole pit stop procedure uh, because these guys can't – sometimes they're borrowing uh, pit crews from other teams, and so the pit crew that they're going to get at a standalone event uh, may not be as adept as a pit crew uh, that they're borrowing from an Xfinity Series team, if you will. So I I kind of understand why they're doing it. Uh, It's not just the cost savings. It's the fact that they're they're not dealing with the same people uh, doing these pit stops that do it throughout the rest of the year. So it makes sense from that perspective. Uh, Jay, what's your thoughts? Well, that is something that was mentioned on Race Hub when they talked about it, uh, of like you said, if a, if a truck series or especially an Xfinity series team, I know is more common to use a cup series uh, pit crew, uh, that's there anyway. So, yes, there are some reasons, uh, you know, be, whether it be financial or, or that of the experience level being that they are, don't have a full-time pit crew with with particular teams that they're renting or borrowing from a cup series team or Xfinity to trucks. I get that, but and this is a, might be a first time. If Andy were here, it might even be all four. I don't like it. I, I, I'm not in, not a fan of it. Um, you're right. It, it just takes so much, like Mike said, away from it being a team sport. There's obviously um, even amongst the top teams, you know, tenth of a second, a uh, couple tenths of a second between stops can make the difference uh, out on the track. So uh, I'm really not a fan of it. 
and I'm hoping that maybe part of it was the financial cost of it as well during this COVID-19 issue. Um, but with the fact that the mention is the crews that are used from other teams, we might see this more into the future. And you know, Mike was right. It was discussed already once before. And I know talking with drivers, uh, Sharon, I don't know if you remember uh, Mike Marler, dirt track racer that, that I did an article on mm-hmm. when I talked to him about that and him entering in the truck series, he said for a lower budgeted team, that was a huge factor. So for the team, it, it is a financial thing as well. And again, the experience of whoever they do have to crew for, crew for them, um, that it was a beneficial thing. So it might be one of those where NASCAR is trying to find that balance of what's good for the team and the sports, as well as what fans want to see. You know, sometimes we've got to exactly. give a little to get overall. And if it's just the standalone events, we might have to eat it on that then. Right. They do bring that up as well, Jay. Uh, and Mike, they wanted to provide fans with more green flag racing and place the fate of the bonus uh, because this is part of the triple truck challenge bonus as well. They wanted to place the fate of that bonus more into the driver's hands, uh, kind of taking that team aspect out of it um, and giving the driver more of a chance to go after that bonus. So, uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? Like I said, I, I understand that there's a financial reason for doing this, especially now. I know we were talking about it before the economic times really got rough for these teams. Uh, so now it makes even more sense of if we can if we can reduce costs and hopefully lower some of those financial barriers to entry. It makes sense, but as a so trying to understand the business end of it makes total sense. But as a race fan. I'm, you know, it, it, you kind of got to put that firewall up there between knowing what's good for the business, but also being that fan and knowing what you want to see as part of the racing product that is on TV or what you see when you're in the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. And and I don't know if the drivers maybe asked for this when, because they kind of uh, put the emphasis on putting it into the driver's hands for that triple truck challenge. Uh, and getting that bonus, uh, I don't know if it's possible that the drivers were asking uh, for it to be more in their hands and not so dependent on what happens on pit road uh, when it comes to the triple truck challenge. But if that was the case, I wish they would do that for all of the triple truck challenge events and not just one of those events. So I don't know. Jay, you have anything more to say about that? Well, I understand you're saying that on track of the in the driver's hand, but the driver also plays a role coming into pit road, getting into his pit box, and then again getting out. So the driver still plays a, a role in the pit stop, uh, as it were. Yeah. So I don't like that argument on that side of it, actually. Uh, I do agree and understand the, the financial and everything else to it. That one I don't even agree with the argument on that side, though. <laughs> Okay. Mike, anything more on your end? We'll just have to see how it plays out. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the choose cone idea until I saw it in action at Bristol. And I'm not saying that we need to do it at every single race, but you know, I went from neutral to somewhat positive on it. So who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll put on a good show or at the very least, maybe it'll give the opportunity for some of these trucks to, uh, focus their resources on becoming competitive instead of just worrying about showing up. Okay. 
Okay. Um, just on a note, uh, newsworthy kind of thing, I guess, Chad and Brooke Knauss, uh welcomed their second child. As you guys might recall, there was uh, a crew chief on standby, or actually he took the place of Chad Knauss last weekend at Kansas. Uh, but they uh, welcomed their uh, Vivian May Knauss was born to Chad and Brooke on uh, July 29th at 4.48 p.m. So they already have one son, Kipling, and now they have a daughter. So it sounds like the perfect family. (laughs) Just a newsworthy item there. Okay, also, though, uh, Cole Pern, it was announced that he's going to join Ed Carpenter Racing as a lead engineer for the Indianapolis 500. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about Cole Pern uh, also going to Indianapolis uh, even though it's a one-race deal. Uh, Jay, we'll start with you on this one. Well, certainly something interesting, uh, and I, I know I follow uh, Cole, uh, Cole Pern on Twitter, uh, not a regular uh, checker of his feed, but uh kind of came out of the blue for me, and it, it, I find it kind of odd, and we'll have to see if it becomes more than a one-race deal. Obviously, for the, the Ed Carpenter, a uh, great, I think anyway, We'll see how he does on the IndyCar side of it. New challenge for him from that aspect. But what I know of him as far as a crew chief within the Cup Series, obviously one of the best, uh, even in the short amount of time he was with uh, Martin Truex and at that level. So uh, I think it's cool. Kind of curious as to why he opted to to leave NASCAR and go over that way. But, again, if it's a one-race deal or a more limited schedule, I know that was part of the reason he said he was stepping away from NASCAR was the long, grueling schedule. So it might suit him more, and I wish him all the best, and I think he's going to be good at it. Yeah, just to be clear, he's going to be a part of the engineering staff. I don't think it's going to be uh, as a crew chief, but part of the engineering staff. So, Mike, your thoughts? It might be a little surprising what outlet he eventually ended up going into, but it should be no surprise to anyone that Cole Pern decided to get back into the game. Cole Pern's one of those guys, he's so smart, he glows in the dark. So sitting on the couch just watching racing on TV, I'm sure was not a sufficient outlet for a guy who's got that level of intelligence and talent. So it doesn't surprise me one bit to see him get back into it, Um, whether it was with NASCAR or with IndyCar, IMSA, Formula One, whatever a guy like Cole Pern can probably just pick up the phone and tell somebody he wants to work for them and then show up there the next day. Um, So I'm interested to see how he does with Ed Carpenter racing. I expect pretty good things. Just again, we're talking about Cole Pern here. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's not a surprise at all. And I look forward to seeing him uh, get back into racing. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see Cole Pern getting back into the game. Uh, Even though it's a one, one race deal, uh, I don't know. The thought occurred to me. Uh, I wonder if he's getting some experience uh, to maybe come into this as uh, <laughs> with Jimmy Johnson next year. Wouldn't that be a matchup to have Colburn and Jimmy Johnson together in the IndyCar series? Uh, I think that would be pretty awesome. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if that actually uh, ends up happening. But. Uh, I'm happy to see him come back, and and uh, it makes me want to watch the Indianapolis 500 for sure. Jay. Yeah, I'll have to see what role he's in of, of what kind of impact that has, and I'm not a big IndyCar follower. I do would normally watch uh, at least part of the Indy 500 itself, 
um, you know, to actually see how it plays out or what kind of credit they give him as far as what he brings to the table on the engineering side. Um, a little bit tougher to see unless you, you see it week to week of, of how a team improves. Um, but I'm sure they'll fill us in on that of the team for sure, given credit where credit is due. But I do like to see him involved in obviously if it fits his, his schedule better with his family uh, on a more limited uh, side of it. Uh, and the possibility of, like you mentioned, uh, of being working with Jimmy Johnson next year and whatever happens down that road with Jimmy Johnson uh, certainly would be an interesting thing to follow next year. Mike. Well, that's really all I got to say about Cole Pern. Again, it's you know, optimistic and excited to see one of the uh, at least more recently big names in NASCAR get back into uh, get back into the game. Oh, okay, I agree. Uh, not a lot more to say there. So, Mike, did you have any other hot topics you wanted to discuss? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the SRX series that uh, Tony Stewart, Ray Everham, and others were developing to it to debut next summer. Uh, a few days ago we got kind of a sneak peek teaser look at the uh, the, the car. Um, yeah. Now it was just the front bumper, basically forward of the uh, the front wheel. Um, it looks like it's going to be a stock car style car. But it's kind of a, it looks like it's intentionally ambiguous. So you'll kind of see some design cues that look like they come from the Camaro, look like they come from the Mustang, look like they might come from a Dodge kind of a product. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a stock car style car, um, trying to be familiar but not immediately identifiable. So it's kind of neat to see. And it looks like they're still toying with the idea with regard to the size of the splitter and things like that. Yeah, and I think they've got, uh, what, three or four drivers already lined up as well, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't know that I've seen any firm committed names, but they keep toying about, yeah, that we've, we've got X number of drivers signed up. So if you've seen some actual names associated with it, you're ahead of me on that one. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm there ahead were of you, Mike. some actual names. Go ahead, Mike, or Jay, and uh, tell us the names. Because <laughs> I've seen uh, it, The too. three that – the three that have been confirmed, uh, and one of them just came out either uh, yesterday or today, uh, Tony Kanaan was the first one. Well, technically, I think Tony Stewart was the first one. Uh, Tony right. Kanaan, and then now Paul Tracy has uh, also been confirmed. Okay, so that's uh, some interesting names there. Uh, I'll be curious to see if there's any NASCAR drivers that are be able to take part, because it's only six races for the season. And uh, I did see the the teaser that you're talking about, Mike, with the car, and it does look like a lot like it could be a stock car, uh, but we don't know. That's only the front bumper that we saw, so we don't know what the rest of the car looks like. But uh, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing more of the teasers come out uh, about what that car is going to look like and and who the other drivers are going to be in the series and how many drivers uh, are going to take part in that series. Uh, I'm hoping uh, that we're able to see some cup drivers or uh, NASCAR drivers on, uh, uh, you know, somebody besides Tony Stewart uh, on that list, maybe some current uh, active drivers on that list as well. So I'm excited for this series, uh, and I can't wait for it to start next season. Mike. Yeah, those names there are probably not the first three that I would have guessed uh, signing on and and being announced as part of this thing. Uh, I didn't expect it to skew 
quite as far into IndyCar as uh, as it looks like it's skewing. Um, so it should be interesting. Hopefully they do get some uh, some NASCAR names in there, maybe even some sports car uh, IMSA type uh, drivers mm-hmm. in there as well. And uh, maybe we can see uh, get a sneak peek at maybe a couple of the tracks they're gonna they're gonna run on, um, and hopefully. Uh, maybe that will attract some other drivers from other racing disciplines. If they see a track that's going to be part of this series that, uh, that may interest them. Jay. Yeah. My, I had it down as a hot topic, but mine was more from the aspect you guys have kind of touched on now is, is the drivers that have been announced so far um, and, the, and, the, and their background. What, what uh, I look at is, and I know NASCAR doesn't limit it, but the team owners on the NASCAR side, some of them more stringent on what other activities you can participate outside of NASCAR uh, agreement. Uh, mm-hmm. So ones I think that we might see might be some more dirt track background drivers, for example, and again, we don't know what he's going to do next year overall, but maybe Clint Boyer, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, obviously, um, and then maybe some some retired drivers like Greg Biffle, we've seen him come back, and I think of Matt Kenseth again. We don't know exactly what he's going to do next year. I think those might be some of the names you see from the NASCAR side of it. But when we look at ones that uh, we might want to see, and I I'm not saying they don't won't allow it, but we know that Joe Gibbs Racing had a little bit of an issue with it back with Tony Stewart. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports wasn't a big fan of it with, when it came with uh, Casey Kane. So I think that might limit active drivers from being involved in it. Some active drivers, yeah. But we've seen some drivers that will race IMSA, uh, like uh, Cole, uh, I'm sorry, Chase Briscoe is racing this weekend uh, because they're having an off weekend. And I'm thinking of drivers like that that might be able to participate uh, in in this new series. So, especially if it is during an off weekend when NASCAR is not racing. So, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I, I would like to see some NASCAR drivers in that group. Uh, and I'm sure we'll see drivers from a lot of different uh, disciplines. IndyCar, well, we've already got Tony Kanan, but uh, IMSA, um, who knows, we might even – uh, I doubt if we see NHRA, but you never know. Tanner Gray's coming into, to, um, uh, you know, the stock car uh, realm. So it, it'll be fun to see what happens. No doubt about that. Anything more from your end, Mike? No, nope, that's about it. I, th- I kind of expect throughout the rest of the fall and winter, we're just going to get a continuous trickle of teaser information to keep everyone interested on this deal. And that's going to be fun to watch too. Okay, uh, I did. Well, I guess I brought up that one. So who's next, Mike? I think we're back to you. Oh, uh, well, I thought I, I thought I brought that that SRX one up there. I've got another one to talk about if you want. Oh, we can okay. uh, move around. Okay, let's go to Jay. No, go ahead. Jay. Okay. No, if, if Mike's got another one ready, go ahead. Well, um, Kyle Larson did an interview with Wing Nation today, and it was the first I've seen with him really addressing uh, a potential return to NASCAR. 
Um, and kind of to, to give the cliff notes on what he said was he's open to it, but he has not received any calls, nor has he been particularly aggressive about trying to chase something down. Um, you know, if, if you follow Kyle Larson at all, you see he's been extremely successful in, uh, in dirt racing since he, uh, since he left NASCAR in the spring. Um, I think his average finish is something like a 1.75 or something. Uh, and he's won somewhere around 75% of his races. So, and don't quote me on those numbers. It's just kind of an estimate, but yeah, he's, he's definitely a top level driving talent. And then we've talked about before about his potential to return, but I think this is the first time I've actually seen any words from Kyle Larson directly addressing it. Jay. Well, and we kind of got this feeling and we said, you know, the opportunity may or may not be there. It may take some work, but that it was really going to depend on Kyle Larson himself and what he wanted to do. And the fact that we hadn't heard a whole lot from him kind of gives that indication. And this kind of backs it up. He's not saying he wouldn't, but if he's not aggressively pursuing it and and people aren't uh, calling him about rides, uh, you know, that's going to limit it. Uh, we've seen that in the past where when drivers want in, they're out there campaigning, handing out business cards or knocking on shop doors and asking around. So uh, it doesn't appear he is necessarily determined to make it back into NASCAR's top level. And, and that's fine. Uh, you know, that's his choice. It's unfortunate for us as NASCAR fans. But if you're a dirt track fan, obviously he has been tearing it up <laughs> without a doubt. So um, more power to him, and I'm happy to see him on the dirt side. So, Yeah, even though he says he's still interested in a NASCAR comeback, I don't see him actively pursuing it. Uh, and I don't, like Jay said, nobody seems to be actively pursuing him either, at least that we know of. And, uh, and he even said he's been so busy racing pretty much every day of the week that he hasn't had time to really work on anything. So I I don't see him really aggressively going after it. So uh, whether or not it happens, um, either way, I'm okay with it. But uh, uh, I I just kind of get the feeling that it probably won't happen because there doesn't seem to be anybody working on it from either side. So that's kind of where I'm at. Mike, your thoughts? I mean, as a race fan, I'd love to see Kyle Larson back. Um, yeah, he he made a pretty egregious mistake, but I don't. It wasn't anything criminal. Nobody got hurt, et cetera. He learned a hard lesson, and I think it was. You know, he's he's rightfully doing his time right now. Um, but at the same time, not you know something that isn't a criminal kind of a thing. It shouldn't immediately and permanently end your career. So if Kyle Larson does end up wanting to come back and there's a team willing to hire him, hopefully there are no barriers to entry and he would have the opportunity to come back because I think he, he's a top level driving talent, no matter what wheel he's behind, whether it's a dirt racing car, a NASCAR stock car, or, you know, I mean, he probably could race big wheels and win races with those. So, Seeing Kyle Larson back in the Cup Series for me as a racing fan is something I would love to see. But I understand that, you know, there has to be a will on both ends, Kyle Larson's end and a team owner's end, to put him back in the car and get him back on the racetrack. Right. And keep in mind, there is no barrier to him coming back. Uh, He's gone through the sensitivity training. NASCAR said that if he made a request to come back, they would approve that request. So NASCAR, nobody is standing in his way of him coming back. 
So uh, other than the fact that he's got to, you know, work with a team and a team has to want him. So there's nothing nothing saying that Kyle Larson isn't uh, – the door is wide open for him to get a second chance with NASCAR if he wants it. So And NASCAR has pretty much said that. So, Jay, any follow-up on your end? After I get done, but I wanted to know if he read a dictionary here before he came on air tonight, if that's something he does in his spare time. But um, What word did he use this time that I mean? That one was egregious. Oh, egregious. There you go. <laughs> um, with, with Larson, I think it's a matter of the sponsorship money and from that aspect and especially right now with other things that we've had happen in the the whole ordeal with Bubba Wallace and the Talladega, I think the sponsorship issue is, and I know that there are sponsors obviously willing to work with him on the sprint car side and the dirt track, but I think that's at a lesser cost. So especially when you're talking about the the money that gets invested in with NASCAR uh, on that side of it, and we've seen it in the past, even Bubba Wallace, quitting off of the iRacing costume a sponsor, you know. I mean, if they're going to be behind it, they want you 100% in that image thing. So I don't think that it's that teams don't want to work with him. I think Chip Ganassi wanted to still work with him. It's a matter of that sponsorship and the corporate image and who they'll associate with. And that's a little harder to overcome, you know, especially in today's society. It's unfortunate because, like Mike said, it wasn't a criminal thing. It wasn't a good thing, but it wasn't a criminal thing either. You know, and we, we've had it, seen other athletes in, in different sports have to come through things like that, and it can be done. But when it comes to sponsorship money, it's a lot harder. That's, that's very true. Okay, um, let's see. NASCAR uh, is, says that they're still interested in midweek races. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about this, though, because apparently the viewership was down. The ratings were a little bit lower for the midweek races than they are for the weekend races. So um, what are your guys' thoughts? Should NASCAR continue to consider midweek racing uh, even though the viewership was down? So, Mike, we'll start with you on that one. Well, first got to apologize to Jay. I'm down to nothing but big words. I used all my four-letter words earlier today. Uh, because I kind of <laughs> broke the engine. I, I broke the engine in the race car at the racetrack on Tuesday, so I used a lot of my best four-letter words today dealing with that. Um, anyway, onto the subject here with the midweek races. As a race fan, I've enjoyed them, but apparently I'm in the minority here uh, just based on the TV ratings and whatnot. Um, it seems like the, the midweek races, despite being some of the better races, uh, have not drawn in the viewership, and that's really where, where it matters. Uh, if they're trying to sell the – you know, we talked about sponsorships just a minute ago. If NASCAR is trying to sell this product to advertisers, of hey, put your commercials on our midweek race, the first thing they can point at is the viewership numbers, and when those numbers just aren't there, that drives the racing to be during a certain time slot. Um, I think the uh, the racing itself has been good, but as people are getting back to work, kids are going back to school – those draws of attention away during the middle of the work week or school week is going to contribute to a further decline in ratings for any potential future midweek races. Okay, Jay. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the, the TV rankings, so I, I can't even try and speak to that. I don't understand it. I, I'm with Mike. I, you know, apparently in the minority um, that really did enjoy it, uh, especially as something a little bit different, uh, maybe have a little more time in the, in the, during the week at night, especially for a night race than I do on the weekend. So to me, it fits in a little bit better. I, I, I'm not sure where the disconnect is, but however they get their numbers, and like, like you said, that's what they're going to go by, especially when it comes to selling it to a sponsor, um, is what the, the viewership numbers is. And I don't know how that compares to other sports, whether it be baseball or football. I know they're, they're, they're always in that battle of the viewership numbers. Uh, I think one thing that maybe again, we haven't come to full terms with, with getting numbers. And I know Sharon and I have talked about this as far as numbers don't always show an accurate picture based on different streaming avenues or apps or whatever that you can watch stuff on versus actual TV. So, and I know that's been a talk of whether or not NASCAR would go to online streaming, uh, whether it be via NASCAR.com or a pay-per-view website to do that off of that I think there's a lot of that that comes into play that we don't even realize that just in general TV numbers are down across anything, whether it be regular weekly programming, uh, wrestling, football, baseball, TV numbers are down just in general. And I think that's because of the, the streaming apps that are available. Yeah, there's a lot more streaming that's going on, and especially with that next generation of people that NASCAR is looking to attract. Uh, But these numbers come from Sports Media Watch. Uh, They said of the four races, uh, midweek races that have taken place so far, uh, they had an average of 1.71 million viewers across FS1 and NBC Sports Network. That's down 37% from their average Sunday races on those networks, which is at 2.73 million. So uh, even if they add in uh, the all-star race uh, and the midweek uh, average to that midweek average, it brings it to 1.75 million, but that still makes it 36% down from the Sunday levels. So uh, I take it, I think that they're just looking here too at the cup series uh, not not all of the series. So that's something to take into consideration with those numbers as well. But uh, for a long time, NASCAR was the only sport available to watch on TV. So I really thought that the viewership would be, and it was, I think, really up high, when, especially when we first came back and there wasn't anything else to compete uh, with what people were watching. People were watching NASCAR, and I think we did pick up a lot of new viewers by doing that. So, um, I, and I'm with you guys. I'm in the minority, too, because I I was watching those races during the week, and I kind of enjoyed that. And I kind of enjoyed, you know, even having the Sunday open, uh, you know, to do other things uh, because the racing, you know, this last week in particular, we did all the racing from Thursday through Saturday, and Sunday was open, and I thought that was kind of cool. So, uh, Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against numbers like that. Um, now, NASCAR and the networks haven't done themselves too many favors as far as putting the races on the secondary cable networks. We talked about in our chat the other day that I wanted to watch the race on Thursday night, 
and I go to turn it on in my hotel room and there's no NBCSN. So how many potential mm. viewers are out there who could watch a race on big NBC, but now they're not watching the race that weekend because they don't have access to NBCSN. Either they don't have and the, that was you know, a Thursday the night race, network. wasn't it? Exactly. So that's a, that's a, that's yeah. an opportunity for a potential viewer of a midweek race who does not have that network and you know, NBC does not want to preempt their, you know, whatever the latest edition of their sitcom that's going to be canceled before Christmas. Uh, they don't want to preempt that in order to run a live NASCAR race. So they're relegated over to NBCSN, and then that forfeits a certain number of viewers who would potentially watch the race but now are watching something else. Good point. My, uh, Jay. Well, and that that issue goes back all the way to uh, when Speed TV was around because a lot of cable mm-hmm. companies didn't carry Speed TV. FS1, FS2, I know, depending on the cable company, whether that comes with the basic package, which is what you're going to find probably in most hotels. Um, I know for, for me that is one that I get whatever package, the minimum package I can get that has NBC, SN, as well as FS1. Um, I think for for my my company, it's it's one up. It's not the basic, but it's not a premium either. So that is a factor, uh, like Mike said, that maybe they got to look at uh, either getting cable companies to provide that at without having a, a hike in a rate, or putting them on the regular programming channels of Fox or NBC, or or even doing like uh, we had the guy from the SRL on the other day, Mike, uh, not Mike, but Brian. Brian Olson was on, and he's the PR guy for the uh, Southwest SRL Touring Series. And and they've got up on their website, they've got Spears uh, SRL Racing TV. And I'm wondering why NASCAR can't do something like that in those kind of situations uh, where it might be blacked out in some places, uh, make it available on their NASCAR TV on the website so that people, everybody can watch that race and then look at what the viewership would be. I think that would be pretty cool. Mike, any follow-up? I'm sure it has something to do with, yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with exclusivity. I'm sorry, Jay, exclusivity uh, clauses (laughs) that are in uh, these TV contracts. But I believe both TV contracts are up for renegotiation within the next year or so. So that may be something that NASCAR can target of, if the networks have discretion of where they're going to put it and these networks are choosing to put it on their secondary cable stations as opposed to the main broadcast network, uh, perhaps that can open the door to uh, to offering a free streaming option. Um, I don't think that's a perfect solution. There's probably a lot of people who would rather watch the race on their TV as opposed to their phone or their computer screen, but at least it gives the opportunity for fans to see the race in the first place as opposed to just, well, I guess I'm not watching the race today, time to cut the grass because they don't get the network. Well, and I thought just occurred to me, we were talking about that new series, the SRX series, uh, and uh, the association with that series with CBS Sports, which is they have their own streaming service. So I'm wondering if that doesn't all tie in here, Jay. Well, I think it's an aberration on NASCAR's part, and I just want to say that because I had to look up the word aberration. <laughs> okay, we're having the word war, word wars here. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, um, 
I think uh, the aberration just means mistake, by the way. Um, I think it is something that NASCAR has to look at. And, and like Mike said, these TV contracts are coming up, and I think they're going to get less money out of that regardless. Like I said, I just think overall TV ratings are down uh, across the board with so many other avenues whether it come to TV shows, uh, I know my nephew watches all of the TV shows he watches. He watches via some app, or uh, I don't even know what the proper word, word there is, YouTube. but uh, Hulu, YouTube, Netflix, things like that that are out there. So, like I said, I don't know that it's not being watched. It's just the numbers aren't getting recorded, in my opinion. Yeah, I have to agree. And again. Uh, I go back to the to the younger generation. That is how they are watching uh, all kinds of uh, uh, media is through the YouTube and and uh, some kind of an app that they can watch it on their phone or you know at their convenience. So all of my TVs are Roku TVs, and Roku is all about uh, the apps, and uh, I think that's. I think that just makes sense uh, for NASCAR to, to kind of uh, get into this century of uh, how people are viewing their media, and it is through apps. So that uh, connection with the CBS Sports, I, I think, uh, makes a lot more sense now as a potential opportunity for NASCAR uh, to kind of bring in more viewers and get those numbers back up because I think it is deceiving. Okay, so uh, what else have we got on the list here? We got a few more minutes uh, in our hour-long show here. Well, we've gone through the three that I had. Um, it's amazing when you you know we get back to a relatively normal pacing of these races. We run out of things to talk about as opposed to doing three to six races per week with all the different series. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Jay, did you have anything else? I do have one other to talk about, and one thing I look at is is what we haven't had is there's still a lot of questions with silly season, but no answers. So normally about this time again, I don't know what the, if it's with the COVID-19, uh, what it is, but we haven't seen or heard as much. We know the gaps that are there, but we haven't heard anything specific as far as that. So that generally, at least mid-season on, fulfills a lot of our uh, hot topics time. But one thing I did have down was in, in the past couple of weeks, uh, at least on the Cup Series and the Truck Series, now with the uh, Arkham Menard Series there, we've seen some new winners. Uh, Cole Custer, Brett Holmes, as far as new first-time winners. But we've also seen Austin Dillon and Matt Crafton kind of break some streaks. So looking at who we see as new first-time winners, as well as some uh, – drivers that return to victory lane that we haven't seen in a while. Okay, Mike. Well, obviously in the cup series, a low hanging fruit there is Jimmy Johnson. Um, I would not be surprised to see Jimmy end up in victory lane at any given race that we go to. I mean, he's won at every, literally every single track that we've got left on the schedule with the exception of the Daytona road course. So Jimmy has the opportunity, the experience, and the skill necessary. It's just a matter of, you know, will things line up and get the 48 car in victory lane? And I would not be the least bit surprised to see Jimmy win. As far as first-time winners, we've talked about them all year. Tyler Reddick, I could see winning just about any given race, and William Byron as well. 
has been somewhat disappointing in his third year in the 24 car. I almost would say he's had a little bit of regression over what he had uh, last season, but you know, it's, we're still talking about Hendrick Motorsports here, so there's, there's nothing that says that William Byron can't end up winning a race any, uh, any of these weekends coming up as well. Yeah, I would agree. Jimmy Johnson's uh, a pretty big pick. Uh, another one is Clint Boyer. I don't know when was time Clint Boyer won a race. Um, you know, he's another one that's on a, a streak of uh, not winning. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think those guys... And uh, Byron seems to be the logical guy, too, for a first-time winner. Are we talking just Cup Series here or across all three series? Well, I was kind of kind of leaving it open. I know I at least start with the Cup Series here and see where, at, where we're at with time, but at least start with the Cup Series. Okay. Uh, so we'll go on to you then. Well, and the one that did trigger it, and they were both picked by uh, by our fan for racing uh, group this weekend. First time winner, uh, James came with William Byron, and it, you know I know you guys both mentioned it, so I'm going to throw a different one out there that I'm surprised Mike didn't go with, and that's Matt Di Benedetto. I think uh, we've seen some really good from him this year. We've seen a couple of rough weeks, if you will, but I still think that team is is on that verge. And as far as a, a return to victory lane. Uh, you, you're calling Jimmy Johnson the low-hanging fruit, but he hasn't even been running up front as consistent as Eric Almarola has. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Clint Boyer, at least within too. the Stuart Haas racing. Right now, the way uh, Eric Almarola has been running, I think, again, it's just a matter of time. And once that first one comes, I think we could see it followed by several more. Okay, I think that's a good one. Uh, Mike, did you have any more? Yeah, I kind of lament my missing of Matt DiBenedetto. Um, as everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Matt DiBenedetto fan. So, yeah, I agree with Jay. I think uh, Wood Brothers Racing, it took a little bit of time for them to get up to speed. Not that they were particularly bad. Uh, it took a little bit of time for them to get up to speed, and now they've got some bad luck they got to get past. But, yeah, the 21 car has been running a lot better these past few weeks. Okay. Um did you want to go to the other series? Uh, if, we, if we got time, uh, you want to throw a couple out there from some of the uh, one of the other two series. Interested to see who who you guys have your eye on. Put it that way. Yeah, the Xfinity series. We've already kind of gotten most of the guys that uh, that I was going to guess for uh, potential first time winners or new ones. Obviously, the Xfinity series is is an up and coming kind of a series there. So. Um, you're going to see a whole lot more first-time winners there. I don't know that I've got a name to throw out. As, yeah, absolutely, I'm surprised he hasn't won yet kind of, a, kind of a name, but I am interested to see what you guys come up with. Okay. Uh, my thoughts are Daniel Hemrick, for one. Daniel Hemrick has the distinction of never having won a race in any of the series that he has raced in, and that goes all the way back to his late model days. Um, and he's never won in any of the top three series at NASCAR. I think he's kind of been knocking on that door. He's racing part-time this year in the Xfinity Series, uh, so I'd really like to see him get a win. Um, Also, uh, Riley Erbst is another driver that I would like to see get a win uh, in that Xfinity Series. He's a rookie this year. Uh, He's currently 
tenth in the series point standings, uh, but I think he certainly is um, a potential to get a win. And then somebody who maybe hasn't won, well, I guess Daniel Hemrick uh, would be in that category. But another driver, uh, either in the truck series or the Cups, uh, Xfinity series, is Anthony Alfredo. I know he's raced in both of those series. And, uh, boy, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. But looking at the truck series, I'd have to say Zane Smith and Ben Rhodes are the two guys that I would look at there uh, that I'm waiting for them to get wins and maybe throw in Christian Eckes into that mix as well. Jay? Well, on the Xfinity side, you you took both of the ones that, that I was looking at. We've seen Daniel Hammock have some great runs, both with RCR and then Junior Motorsports in his limited starts this year. Uh, Riley Herbst, uh, again, maybe a little bit behind that, but with that Joe Gibbs organization, we've seen Brandon Jones now pick up uh, two wins as well as in the truck series. So uh, Riley Herbst is one I definitely have high on my radar. Uh, the one that stands out and looking at ones that haven't won that we expected to in the Xfinity series, it's Justin Algar. Again, with Junior Motorsports as a whole, that organization has been – up there winning races with Noah Gregson uh, and coming so close there with uh, Justin Algar and Daniel Hemrick or whoever's in that number eight for the week. Uh, you got to check your driver entry list for that to make sure if you're picking a driver, they're in that car for the week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Going over to the truck side, obviously Matt Crafton winning. There's a couple there that we haven't seen. As Sharon mentioned, Ben Rhodes. Johnny Sauter now, the, the veteran, if you will, since Matt Crafton has, has won. And I know Mike was talking about Stuart Friesen. Uh, now, like I said, I kind of give him a pass, being that they switch manufacturers and are, are working with that. As far as first-time winners there, uh, it could be, Sharon mentioned, three or four, I think. It could be any one of them, any of the rookies. Um, that one is pretty much wide open. But I do think Christian Eckes and Zane Smith are at the top of that list. Okay, real quick, we are going to go off the air here in a matter of about uh, tw- 24 seconds. So, uh, But we will continue recording as we kind of wrap up the show here. We had a full hour. If you've listened up to this point, just fast forward to two-hour mark uh, on the podcast, and you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation. It will, probably won't be much tonight. Uh, but, uh, again, just to alert everybody that we will go off the air momentarily. Okay. Uh, with that, um, I think I just beat it that time. Um, with the, with that, uh, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to what was said, Mike. Yeah, um, I kind of skipped over the truck series because uh, I thought we were going to break that out a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, my, my two candidates for first-time winners already got thrown out there as far as Zane Smith and Christian Eckes. I I agree on that as well. Um, we talked about Stuart Friesen about, yeah, I've, I've picked him for a couple of our fan for racing, uh, picks and it didn't really work out for me. I'm disappointed in him there. Um, so seeing that, seeing those guys, you know, the first time winners or Stuart Friesen get back to victory lane, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but at the same time, I would be uh, pretty happy to see it. Uh, and then, yeah, your, uh, your two nominees for the Xfinity series. Hey, I don't disagree on either one of those. Okay. Okay. So, uh, any other topics, Jay, that you had on your list? 
No, that pretty much uh, wrapped it up. Uh, again, I think uh, we had this kind of the same hot topics, a little bit different takes on each of them, but uh, I don't have any other uh, that I can come to mind with right at the moment. Mike, did you have anything else? Nope, we're spent here. I got uh, I got everything out and then some. Okay, well, I've got one more. <laughs> and, again, this is more of a news item, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts because he's done this before, but it was announced this week that Brad Doherty, uh, Brad Doherty of JTG Doherty Racing, uh, one of the co-owners there, is uh, going to be joining NBC Sports Network, uh, starting with the doubleheader at uh, Michigan next weekend. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about that. So, Jay, we'll start with you on that one. I'm not really sure why he disappeared from uh, from the network to begin with because I thought – I know he didn't have the NASCAR background coming from basketball, but was very involved with his team and, and brought, a, again, a different perspective um, that most fans maybe don't get to see or hear. So I, I'm excited to see him back – the the one thing I look at, and this would happen to be with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., having a car owner up there in the booth uh, can get a little bit uh, touchy at times, if you will, uh, from, from more than one perspective. But I, well, I don't think clarify, it's a major issue. Just to clarify, he's doing pre- and post-race coverage. So he's going to be with Dale Jarrett and Kyle Petty. So just to to clarify that as well. Well, okay, you know, post-race again, if it, right, but uh, even post-race, if his driver is involved in something uh, throughout the day, and I'll let Mike bring up who his driver is now this year, <laughs> um, <laughs> could be it could be an issue. Like I said, we saw it a little bit with Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the Noah Gregson situation. Um, like I said, it can get, a, can get a little touchy, and I'm not saying Jr. was out of line. I don't know if I'd, I'd have handled it that way, but... Uh, going back to just Brad Daugherty, like I said, I, I thought he really was uh, very involved and very knowledgeable, uh, especially in the short amount of time that he had been involved with his his race team. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him back. I always thought he did a good job. Mike? Yeah, I'm with Jay. I'm I'm always glad to see different perspectives, either in, in the booth during the race or, in this case, uh, pre- and post-race content. Um, I think NBC does lag behind Fox a little bit in terms of bringing in those different perspectives who don't uh, don't necessarily get as much airtime as they otherwise would. So I look forward to seeing that. Um, as far as uh, the JTG drivers, I guess you're talking about Ryan Priest. Good on him. He uh, he broke his streak of last place finishes this past race. So uh, I think that's something to hang your hat on. Uh, and he didn't even go all the way upside down when he hit the inside wall at Kansas. So I think he's uh, he's he's going places here. <laughs> okay, so. I think it's a good move. I, I agree with uh, Jay. Uh, it's kind of sad that we kind of didn't have him for a while because there was a string there where he was an analyst on the uh, sports networks uh, talking about NASCAR, and I enjoyed his uh, perspective. So I'm looking forward to having him back, and in, even though he's not doing the uh, calling of the race or any of that, I think he'll have a lot to add to the pre- and post-race uh, coverage and uh, his perspective is an important perspective because uh, we don't have that perspective right now uh, in that group. We have the we have driver perspective, we have crew chief perspective, 
and we have all of that covered, but uh, we really don't have that uh, team owner perspective. So I think it's a cool thing, and I'm happy to see it. Any follow-up, Jay? Well, I think Mike took a swing and a miss there, being that I teed it up for him, but uh, the other driver there being Ricky Stenhouse Jr., I don't know if he intentionally Well, that was intentional. Yeah, okay. I kind of got that feeling, but um, that is something that you're right, as a whole, that a team owner can bring um, just from the team owner perspective, as long as it doesn't get touchy with their own specific team. And that does provide, you're right, we, we do normally get other drivers or, or crew chief. So having the team owner certainly can bring some more of that perspective, especially when there's certain questions we have as to, you know, why'd they let this driver go or what, why are they doing this with this sponsor and, and questions like that, that can get addressed and brought up from that perspective. So uh, I do think that is a good thing. Um, and, and like I said, I always enjoyed him and, and I was just impressed with, like I said, he, he came in and in a short amount of time, the knowledge that he did have, uh, when it came to all of it, not just from the team ownership, but overall, uh, both statistics. And I know they get some assistance with that stat men's in their ear, or handing them notes, uh, pieces of paper to give them notes or something. But I thought he did a really mm-hmm. great job and, and really didn't flounder even in that first year or two, uh, like we may be seen from some others that are, haven't been involved with it long term. Mike. Uh, Jay pretty much hit on all the points. I've really got nothing to add on the subject. Okay, me either. Okay, I guess I, I will make that the last topic for tonight. And uh, let's uh, go do our roundtable. Mike, we'll start with you. Yeah, Mike Orzell on Facebook, Mike underscore Orzell on Twitter. Uh, not really a whole lot racing going on right now. Uh, if you want to learn some great four-letter words, it sounds like I'll be spending some quality time out in my shop uh, working on what was my track car but is now apparently a project car. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike, I mean, Jay. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see if maybe uh, Mike and I can exchange some different words, uh, as obviously i got to spend some more time learning bigger words. So uh, if not, okay. you can uh, catch me at the races. Uh, Jackson Motor Speedway this weekend with the ASCS Sprint Cars coming to your Capital City Raceway. All right. And I am Fan for Racing on Twitter. We are Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website, fanforracing.com. And our player is available at that site as well uh, for our Fan for Racing pod, uh, radio podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to the races this weekend. Uh, we've got the uh, Arkham and Art Series racing at Toledo with a double header uh, race on Friday and another race on Saturday along with the Cup Series race that will be taking place at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And it sounds like there's going to be an IMSA race this weekend as well out at Road America. So I'm going to I'm going to check all those races out and uh, definitely looking forward to the weekend of racing that's coming up. And uh, we will uh, obviously have all of the uh, recaps. Uh, I'm still, I know Andy said he's got an article that's coming out on Hot Topics, so watch for that this weekend. Uh, I'm expecting to get the uh, power ranking from uh, Owen uh, before the weekend. Uh, and uh, 
Let's see who else. Sam. Sam will have the recap on Monday for the Cup race as well from New Hampshire. So uh, look for all of that coming out at FanFracing.com. All right. With that, I think uh, it's time for a big shout out to all of our listeners. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate all of our fan for racing crew for all that they do, including Jay and uh, Mike, who are here tonight on our Hot Topic Sound Off segment. And um, uh, we'll look forward to being back on Monday night. We're going to do the same thing on Monday night as we did tonight. Uh, we'll have a one-hour review show, and uh, Joe Graff Jr. is going to be our guest at 9 p.m., Eastern Time on Monday night, so uh, be sure to tune in for that. And then we're going to do our, our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off starting at 9.30 p.m. Uh, for uh, a one-hour Hot Topic discussion. So uh, definitely look forward to that happening again on Monday. So thanks, everybody. Uh, I think we're ready to call it a wrap and say good night. All right, good night, everybody. All right, have a good night. Good night. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.